Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a bit of a road show, so to speak. More of a hotel room show. Because we uh, have hit the road, indeed, once again. I couldn't fly. I literally could not fly another time without taking some sort of break. I, You know, November or... September, October, on the road, doing all the speaking stuff, um, then a bunch of flights to do some deliveries and go to boats and all that sort of stuff, and then, uh, and I think there were, what, three of those, I believe, let's see, it was up, fly to Michigan to Maine, then from Charleston to Michigan, then fly to Orlando, Fly back to Michigan from Tampa. Fly. Oh, there's a fly. There's actually a fly in this uh, in this hotel room. Interesting. A uh, lot of lot of flights. You know, you, you get a little bit burnt out, and um, I'm staring down at least ten more flights for March, and so just a lot, a lot needed a break. I need the open road. I need the flexibility, the freedom, if you will, to be able to kick back and enjoy the view of this beautiful chunk of land that we uh, that we call home, the United States. It is absolutely stunning, especially, I mean, this time of year, it's got, you know, it, it's, it's winter dead, you know. We're, we're in the mini ice age here, and the glaciers, although have receded from Michigan, uh, we've also, uh, there's, there's a special place uh, always in my heart for a winter dead forest, uh, not only from my childhood, but also from those first staggering months on the Appalachian Trail between Georgia and somewhere in Virginia, the buds and the leaves started to come out in the valleys. Now, when you walk through that, you experience that and you feel that sort of forest setting uh, somehow just feels good. And it's a place that I remember and recall. And though typically it's bitter cold and my hands were numb and all that sort of stuff, it was also strikingly still, quiet, contemplative, if you will. Don't know if that's the right word, but I think I'm going to use it anyway. So today's show, we're going to be kind of breaking some stuff down. Uh, The game plan Going forward, this trip, finally, we get our weather window. It looks like we're going to have an awesome, awesome trip on this West Sail 32. It really, uh, what else could you ask for? But all good things, or good things come to those who wait. And wait, we did our first attempt at this voyage or this training sort of exercise on this beautiful West Sail 32 was all the way, way, way back in December, and it just got blown out by this El Nino, crazy pushing jet stream further south, storms riding from California across Mexico into the Gulf and then exploding over Florida, and so we never got our chance. Nay, we had to wait for our chance. So I just got off the road. It was a long day. I drove from Detroit 
and essentially made it uh, into Virginia. So Detroit went over Ohio, went over West Virginia. Absolutely stunning. Kind of off the beaten path a little bit. Got off some of the interstates and just enjoyed the show. And now, as I got back onto the interstates, I-77, I passed that little-known hamlet called Bland in Virginia. And I saw the sign for the Big Hiker or the Big Walker Motel, one that I stayed at back in the old Appalachian Trail hiking days. And I stayed here as well on my trip uh, doing the speaking engagements. So I couldn't resist. I probably could have drove for another hour, possibly two. But you know what? You get a little nostalgia in your heart, and it's going to change your mind. And I'm glad I pulled off because they have a nice little tiny gas station right down the way. I picked up a nice 24-ounce Coors Light, and I'm ready to kick back and talk weather, talk sailing, talk plans, and talk the future. So before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to help support the podcast like so many of you find, find fine people have um follow the link in the description for the patreon group we're about 50 strong it keeps going up and down 50 seems to be like our median and you know what i'm okay with that because it feels good to be supported in this endeavor i really really do appreciate it for those who don't want to get locked into any sort of subscription type jobbies we've got the links for venmo and paypal as well in the description and also Oh, let's see. The merch line. Yep. Obviously, we still got the shirts. Those have all been discounted down to minimal, minimal numbers as much as I possibly can. And then we have the the book, obviously, Sailing Into Oblivion. We are nanoseconds away from finishing book three of the children's books, which I will then be condensing all three of them into a hardcover copy. So in the end, we're going to have two hardcovers, book one through three and book four through six in hardcover. Absolutely. The illustrations are out of this world. It's so fun. It's absolutely amazing to have these books. And and once I get these last few illustrations, I'm going to fire it right through Amazon, get it all formatted, and then boom, it's going to be available. Look for it on Instagram, all that stuff. I'll tell everybody about it. Um, The other thing is, if you are a Patreon supporter, if you're part of that family, just an FYI, I've been doing sort of a side podcast, a little bit more about what I'm doing in my life and with the speaking stuff and trying to build the funds to get the sales, to be able to go out and adventure, all that sort of stuff, and just more of a personalized sort of look into I don't know, this endeavor of life, I guess, Uh, this oddball, strange life of trying to build this brand, build all this sort of stuff. And uh, so that's just for the Patreon group. It's very uh, bare bones and matter of fact, and hopefully everybody enjoys that. I was always looking for some way to kind of reward the people who do find it uh, worthy of sort of opening up their wallets and helping the show continue. So look for that. It's uploaded on the Patreon page, so only the people that are part of it. And I don't mean to try and separate anybody or make anybody feel bad, and I definitely am not trying to push anybody towards, you know, oh, you got to pay for this or something. It's just a reward. You know, we've we've had the Patreon page for almost three years now, and 
yeah, I just I really wanted to make sure that uh, they were getting some value besides just knowing that they're continuing this podcast. Other than that, if you want to reach out to the show like so many of you do, go ahead and uh, head over to sailingintooblivion.com. I'm trying to clean that that whole website up and make it a little more you know user-friendly, a little cleaner, a little tighter, if you will. But uh, click on the podcast button and follow the link to contact the show, and those emails go directly to me. And on that note, actually, oh, first, let me take a sip. It's been a long day on the road. I think I did nine hours. Mm. Oh, the mountains are blue. And you know what that means. They're ice cold. Ah, it's a good overnight up there in Detroit. It's always, that's, that's probably one of the greatest perks of doing uh, a road trip sort of thing for work and everything is the availability to then jump right out and go um go and hit hit the old uh you know anybody that you know that uh, you're you're passing through you can reach out and rekindle old sort of uh old friendships and relationships and all that sort of stuff you know you got to take advantage of those times when you get them we're all getting older. We're all headed, you know, to that place. And this little slice of time that we have, we need to make sure we take advantage of. Now, before we get into some of my stuff, I did want to reply really quickly. I got a really nice email uh, from Michael. Uh, again, anonymity is my middle name. So just that first name is. Oh, I'm gonna say. Ooh, all I'm gonna say, but he's on a 1981 Hudson Sea Wolf 44. An old leaky Taiwanese catch sounds awesome, man. Sounds really awesome, actually. We used to have, or we didn't have it, but my my uncle Jerome had a. Oh my gosh, what's that really famous? Shoot, I can't even believe I'm blanking on this. Uh, huh, it'll it'll come to me, but it was basically an old an old catch, um, that he had up in Canada, and my father, uh, and and I definitely next time I'm in Tampa, remind me that I need to do a podcast about his wonderful adventures because I'm pretty sure the statutes of limitations have run out. His wonderful adventures taking this this lovely vessel uh, from Canada to the United States. But essentially those old boats man they they have this they have this character about them they're really good choily it's a choily it was like a 30 something foot choily and we used to be able to romp around in little Travers Bay up there in northern Michigan on it and it was uh, it was quite fun and until the sails started to blow out pretty much every single time we went but it was pretty cool um so Michael has this boat and uh Essentially, he's his question was, I hear you talk plenty about the old oddities of the Gulf Stream. Yes, the Gulf Stream is a whew, can be an angry mistress, can be a just evil, evil place, but it can also grant you some of the fastest passage times, i.e. Mighty Sparrow's biggest 24 hours, 214 miles headed north with Bojangles, uh, my old AT hiking companion for a couple of weeks on the old trail. Shout out Bojangles, uh, friend of the show. 
Um, let's see. When we're headed back north, you think the free ride up ain't worth the risk of getting beaten up. Stick to the inside or outside instead. Uh, you know, okay, so essentially they're looking at sailing up. We sail around New England and just took her down to Florida from Brooklyn this fall. A windy voyage, 4-7 for a day or so. Yep, that's definitely windy. That'll uh, that'll wake you up. Boats at solid, solid. One day we'd like to do some. Okay. So they've got some good plans, and they're talking about heading back up the East Coast, probably, I'm assuming, back up to New England from Florida. You know, I... I I used to swear off the Gulf Stream 100%. When I left South Carolina to go back up to Maine, I went due east until I was well past the Gulf Stream, and then I went due north, and then I cut my way back in. And that was a double crossing of the stream. And then that year that I was with, well, I should say before, the reason I didn't like the Gulf Stream was because it's so unpredictable. And you typically will get lots of squalls, lots of thunderstorms, all that sort of stuff. Now, that being said, the more I learn about the weather, the less I know. Uh, famous quote there from Bernard Mortissier. But it is one of those things. The more experience you get with it and, and watching the weather and what systems are coming off of the, the coast and heading out towards the Gulf Stream, you can get a good idea of what it's actually going to be like. And I think utilizing under the good weather conditions, i.e. a nice southerly breeze or something like that, utilizing the Gulf Stream is absolutely great. It can get you up the coast uh, particularly fast and out of the way of the next low-pressure system faster, safer, all that sort of stuff. It And it's nice. It's nice to move a boat quickly. So that cannot be understated enough that, or is that, well, who knows? I've been driving all day. So it really, I, I like it. When I did that trip with Bojangles, man, we had, we had days where I'm looking at the GPS on a West Sail 32 and I'm seeing 10, 10, 5, 11 knots, sustained, not even surfing waves. And then when we would surf, you know, 13, 14 knots. So it's pretty incredible. We we sat right in the middle because we had like the perfect forecast. We had two or three days of southerly winds. It was crystal clear skies. We didn't see any cloud cover until we got up near George's Bank, you know, off of Cape Cod. So it was really quite like prime position. Uh, it was like the perfect, the perfect, it, it was the opposite of the perfect storm, if you will. And yeah, it was just fantastic getting up there. I think we made it in eight and a half days from Beaufort, South Carolina to Rockland, Maine. And we were becalmed for, I don't know, a decent little portion of that up in the Gulf of Maine, which if you've been up there, it's either blowing stank or it's not blowing at all and you're motoring. So mm. all those things have to take you have to take those into account. But Michael, yeah, I guess uh, here here would be my advice. If you've got a decent, a really good weather window, then yeah, crank out, hop in the Gulf Stream, at least take the stream up towards, you know, the Hatteras area, and then more updates on the weather because the stream is basically going to clip Hatteras, so it's right there. 
once you get around Cape Hatteras in fair weather, then you can cut in and get out of the stream and head head due north up towards like the Cape Cod Canal or wherever the heck you got to go. Uh, typically, it's been my experience with, with most weather patterns moving from the west to the east. If you stick more on the western side of the Gulf Stream and things do get hairy, at least you can get out of it a little faster. And it seems to me, again, I'm no expert, but it seems to me that you're less prone on that side of the Gulf Stream to get the big squalls and all that stuff. Imagine all this weather coming from the coast. It it When it gets over that warm weather, <clears throat> it's still moving to the east, and that's typically, as that, that hot, moist air is, is pushing up, that's what's generating a lot of those thunderstorms and stuff, and then, you know, boom, there you go. So on the eastern side of the stream, you're probably going to see more squalls and stuff. I definitely trying to cross the Atlantic quite a few times. You know, you get you get 500 miles out, hit the stream and you're headed out towards like the Azores or whatever and man, the squalls are fierce because that wind and that those those fronts and stuff have come off the coast and now they're sitting on top of the Gulf Stream that is now headed more more or less east. And so it's just throwing energy up into those clouds. And then you get those super squally conditions, constant rain, all that sort of stuff, those miserable, scary nights. But also those nights that uh, have a way of really making things quite, uh, I don't know, memorable, let's say. And hey, that's what it's all about, right? Gather up those memories so that when you're alone and sad, sitting in a rocking chair, and your only friends are the squirrels. Oh, wait, no, that's my story. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> cheers. Road weary. Uh, so, yeah, I guess my to wrap up uh, this, this little question, I, I would definitely say don't you have to respect the Gulf Stream. Don't fear it. Utilize it when you can. Really, really focus on the weather. Have a game plan, though, to get in and out of it, if you will. And try try not to try not to get cocky with it. Try not to be like, oh, yeah, hey, this is uh, no big deal. We'll just ride this one out. I've ridden out enough in the Gulf Stream that uh, I know that it's really not a, a safe way to go about things. So... Take that with a grain of salt and enjoy the ride. Hopefully someday uh, we'll be able to meet up and maybe get you on the podcast, Michael. That would be pretty cool. And I really appreciate the question. And who, who knows, man? Maybe we'll see you out there. Oh, all right. Wow. <clears throat> that was the only one that I can remember that was on here. I don't know if there were any other ones, but we'll have to just sort of see. Anyway excited that's that's what we have to say i'm looking at the weather right now and man florida the carolinas from cape hatteras to florida it is blowing up when i go to wind gusts here on windy yeah pretty much 50 knots near the center of the low which is pretty far offshore 61 knots that's 68 knots oh we're closing on you know hurricane force gusts that's really really great one of the issues, because we were destined to basically, we're trying to follow this this storm, you know, uh, because we know we only have a window, and essentially what we're trying to do is leave Fort Pierce, Florida, 
and go cruise around probably the little Bahama bank, maybe pull into a couple of spots, but essentially do about a like 600 mile or so trip, get the offshore experience, stay out for a couple of nights, maybe pop in. We'll see how much we're sleeping, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, just, just grind, absolutely grind and, and hopefully enjoy some, some lovely weather. And one of the things was, okay, well, we got this little window and we got, cause right now, okay. So that's Thursday that it, this one is just raging out there in four days time. Well, no, there's nothing there. The next one isn't until about the 13th, but it's just north enough that I think we're going to, you know, end up just getting some nice windy, sporty sort of conditions for a little bit because we'll be down there pretty far down into like the Bahamas area and stuff like that. And then the winds come back around. So we've really, really lucked out here. If that second low by the time we take off in a couple of days here, if that second low decides to dip much further south, then, you know, it's a thinker. We got we to gotta sort of figure out where we can sort of take shelter because we don't want to just sit out there and bash ourselves uh, silly just for the, the act of, of weathering a, a storm by any means. But essentially, we were going to head out right on the tail edge of this thing because it pushes off. It's moving quick. And by Wednesday night, Thursday morning, the whole system's pretty much gone off of the coast. And the problem is it's also sucking away a lot of the wind. We're not going to have much in the way of wind around the area leaving the coast. And we will. Lack of wind, but still lots of waves. And the swell that's built up is going to be in that, you know, 9 to 11 foot sort of range and we were thinking about leaving on Thursday but then it occurred to me late it occurred to them first they were like holy smokes that's those are kind of big waves and they are 10 9 10 foot waves are uh they're pretty amazing to see when you're actually on the boat and you're you're dipping down into the trough and then the next one is coming up so it is it is something to be thought of, but at first I was like, ah, it'll be swell, you know, no big deal, at least we'll get out there. I failed, though, to consider what the wind strength was, and when I finally did look at that, I realized that, you know, seven knots of breeze in a 10-foot sea state is a nightmare. I mean, it's, the the boat acts like a pendulum, you can't, you can't grip the wind with the sails and essentially you're just going to slat the main sail you're going to get rocked and rolled and crazy like that and because we're not on an absolute strict timeline because i'm driving and not flying uh we're just pushing it back one day and within one day we're going to drop down to like five to six foot seas and even though that's still a little bit uncomfortable the winds start to fill in and we should be good to go. So ideally, oh, and I just want to pull up really quickly. This is when a video sort of thing would be pretty cool. But uh, pulling up just the measurements. Again, with the West Sail, when I do most of my passage planning and, and stuff like that, trying to figure out distance and all of that, if I'm leaving there... And I want to get past, if we're just trying to circumnavigate the Little Bahama Bank, there's like 230 miles to get out 
so we're past the bank. Then we have to head south. That's another hundred something. Then we go in there. Then we got to do some navigation to get in between, you know, like Freeport and Alice Town and all that sort of stuff. And we're looking at, yeah, just about, there we go, 606 miles, give or take a few. Uh, that's perfect. And with the West Sail, I typically will, depending on what the forecast is, if it looks like it's going to be good wind, I'm going to average my daily runs at about 120 miles um, as a median. If it's really good wind and it's super favorable, bumping that up to about 140. If it's not really good and we're definitely going to hit some calm patches and all that sort of stuff, even though this vessel has a lovely brand brand new engine and it motors pretty quickly. Uh, on Sparrow, I would drop that down to like 90 miles a day uh, just because I drift. You know, if, if I can't sail and I'm not, like absolutely pinned into getting somewhere by such and such time or trying to avoid some weather system. I'll just drift. I'll enjoy it. I like the drift. It reminds me of the olden days at Bitter End when that was actually, we would do a lot of cocktail parties where you hopped into the old Carib kiteboarding, 14 foot dink, big old inflatable they used for teaching. And you know, you bring R2D2, which was one of those round igloo coolers and, be about seven or eight of us, and we all just go in the evening and find a nice, uh, calm little patch of water, either in North Sound, Eustatia Sound, and go drift and talk about the day. Man, those were good times. And I'm really, really looking forward to actually getting back there. Big news. Big news. We'll get into that in just a second. But as far as our little trip here, that was sort of the game plan, and going around the Bahamas... Definitely is pretty cool because with the weather systems that we're primarily looking at with these low pressure systems, you know, sweeping just to the north of us, uh, ideally you're getting this really, I don't want to call it consistent because I don't want to jinx myself here, but essentially if you try and leave on a day where it's blowing pretty much out of the south or at least the southeast, then you sort of can head to the east starts to come out of the south. You've got a couple of days of that. So you reach, reach, reach. And then as the next system comes out, it starts to blow more out of the southwest. Then it goes to the west, then the northwest. You get some north winds, gets a little cooler. And then it wraps back around to the east with the trades. And you can shoot your way right back to Florida. So it's actually like a perfect little training ground and to get a little bit of offshore experience, you know, not being able to see land, all that sort of stuff, but you do have the luxury of quite a few little safe havens that you can pull into. Um, you know, you got, I have to investigate quite a bit of this, but yeah, all, all along all this, this whole area in the Bahamas, it looks like there's quite a few little spots on those Northern islands that we should be able to tuck and cover if needed. Or just ride things out uh, and then and then head on back to the old uh, great state of Florida. So really, really fortunate that we, we didn't just give up the ghost on this and also that we didn't try desperately to squeeze two or three days in back in like December in between these gales and all that sort of stuff because it was really kind of reminiscent of Southern Ocean sailing where... Every time I looked at the weather, and I've I've literally been watching the weather down in Florida off the coast 
all winter long. And I'm just like, okay, so there's another gale. And then there's no wind at all. Then there's another gale. And then there's no wind. Or there's two gales that are one after another. And the wind never stops. And that essentially just, it, it, it's like hitting my brain with a tuning fork and making me remember all the times underneath Australia, New Zealand, the Pacific. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It was such an inchworm. A picture an inchworm going around a globe, and that was Mighty Sparrow. I go real fast, stretch out, and then yoink, pretty much don't move at all. Then fast, stretch out, meow, and then just float. And when you're floating, you're floating in 10-foot swell, if not bigger. Oh, yeah, sure is fun down there. <laughs> mm. Oh, and I guess um, shout out to Cole. She's out there just ripping. She's she's made it well north. I believe she might be out of the Southern Ocean, uh, the Roaring Forties and all that sort of stuff deep into the South Atlantic and then headed up towards the equator. Uh, always great to see a sailor make make it around and tie the knot, as we say, where essentially you have circumnavigated Antarctica. So you've crossed your your path. I don't know if she's crossed it quite yet, but check her stuff out on Instagram. It's absolutely amazing. Um, she does daily posts, and yeah, good on her. I'm rooting for her all the way. Hopefully she can take the cake, line honors, and actually when I don't know how they've set the race up uh, as far as because I know it was like a staggered start or like a pursuit race, uh, I was told. So just been following her, watching her do this because it, it really is cool. We had connected up beforehand before she took off and sort of shared some shared some posts and messaging back and forth and all that sort of stuff. And she just seemed like somebody who was really in it for the adventure, for the race really good good attitude and all that sort of stuff and uh, a bit of a kindred spirit so i think it's great and uh, anybody that's going to make it all the way around the world without having to pull in somewhere fan freaking tastic the minute you have to throw that anchor down yeah it's a, it's a letdown but still uh if you don't have to do that and you can you can punch your way through it that's that's pretty incredible and hats off to cole and all her achievements thus far so fingers crossed Still a long way to go. A lot can go wrong. These are the times where you don't want to push the boat too hard. You still got the trade winds. You got the doldrums. You got the variables. You got the Portuguese trades. And then you got the low pressure systems up north. So there's a lot lot still to a lot of hurdles to be leapt over. And uh, hopefully she has fair winds and following seas. Uh, other than that, I, yeah, I mean, I'm here, I'm at this motel. It feels really, really good. I got some snacks and all that sort of stuff. It's been a battle for me. Uh, this past, this past month, January was, I, I literally started January off at one of the biggest low points I've, I've sort of had in a long time. And I think it was coming out of 2023, which was definitely, a pretty big struggle and uh, the continuation of struggle, um, you know, struggling to try and figure out how in the heck I should go about life back in 2019, curbing into obviously the pandemic and all the lockdowns and years of that and just trying to scratch by and hope that, you know, things will go back to some semblance of normal. Um, 
but 2023, which looked like it started out like it was going to be like a banner year, really just fell short as far as uh, what I was hoping to be able to, I don't know, achieve or or whatever. And, and you know, I kept pushing. And there were, there were some absolute monumental high points, uh, a summer romance, wonderful times with family and friends and, and all these sort of things. But when, when the personal life and the financial life is so shaky all the time, it does have a tendency to wear on you. And by the time December came, you know, we'd had, we'd done some pretty good stuff and things in 2024 hadn't really cooked up yet. And there wasn't really a whole lot on the plate that looked like, oh man, all right, this is going to be an awesome year. And it was kind of left up to me to kind of get my, my butt in gear in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I was injured essentially for the entire time of 2023, barring about three months during the summer. And with that whole pinched nerve and the sciatic and all that stuff, you know, I, I was in pain all the time. I couldn't stand up straight, all that stuff. You've heard me moan on about that, but it is, it affects your life. It affects your well being and your mental attitude and, and just how you go about the day. When you wake up every morning and you, you, the first thing you think is like, how bad is it going to hurt? And then you sit up and stand up and you're like, oh, this is going to be a real bad day. Great. <laughs> Give me some of those ibuprofens or something like that. But in any event, I think for some reason, a little bit of a light switch switched off in my head or switched on in my head. And I, I was like, well, you know, I, I've got to give it. I've got to give it my all here. Uh, we got to like, we got to do something. We got to shake it up. And then seemingly through a little positivity, a little bit of an attitude check and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Things just started to open up and opportunities started to show themselves. And I was able to talk with some people and get onto a little bit of a path. It's pretty amazing. You know, we all think that myself at least think, you know, if if there's things that I'm doing wrong and things are going wrong, it's the choices that I make. And all I got to do is, you know, correct them. And then I'm good to go. I don't need anybody to help me, blah, blah, blah. And it's not true. It's, it's always, always going to fast track and expedite recoveries and uh, improvements when you have people behind you that are sharing their experiences and helping you to get to said point and said goal that you want to get to. And I received emails and workout videos and I talked to the chiropractor, not only just to get adjusted, but also like how, what stretches, what things, what else can I do in my time to be able to start getting back to this point And essentially, yeah, it was just one of those things where we just got to get the pain to a point where we can do baby steps and start building up the core strength. Because a year of not doing any exercise and spending the vast majority of that time sitting down is not good. And you lose all of this muscle that's basically there holding your skeleton up and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, I'm no doctor, obviously, but at least this is what it felt like. And shout out to my cousin Andy. He helped out. There's, there was a lot of people that, that shared their experiences. And um, 
yeah, little by little. It was like a month or so, maybe maybe six, eight, seven weeks ago, I was doing maybe maybe three minutes on a treadmill, and that was pretty much just walking, maybe just taking up to like four miles an hour. I left Michigan the other day, and I think I was doing three miles. Uh, I had an incline at like five and a half miles an hour, so I'm running. And, you know, it's all thanks to all the people that cared enough to be able to say, hey, well, this worked for me. You should give this a shot and and take a little bit of their time to share their experiences. So big, big thanks because you all know who you are and how much it's helped because I finally feel like I kind of have like my life back. And things tend to snowball sometimes in that arena where, okay, if this starts going well, then your attitude's a bit better. And now this other little section starts to go well because your attitude's better. You're looking at it through rosier glasses and you're coming at it with a more positive attitude. So maybe you're able to put a little more effort into it. And that's essentially what sort of happened. And there's been a couple just lucky things that have, have sort of manifested themselves to cut a couple of big corporate gigs that could possibly lead to some serious uh, influx of funding for not only me but for Sparrow, i.e., we might have uh, we might have a go to put like fifty percent deposit down on some sales if things go well over the next few months, uh, and that is huge. I had almost given up the idea of like, oh, we're going to be able to afford a brand new set of sales. I mean, we're looking at ten grand, right? And I don't know. Now it's starting to look like it could be an absolute possibility. And there are some pretty interesting prospects of possibly linking up with some other organizations and being able to get some sponsorships so that, you know, I'm not just blowing all the life savings again to head out there, but actually go out, do some research, do some data collection and uh, allow some other areas to be able to or other organizations to be able to help fund the adventure to go out there so it's like a little you know get your cake and eat it too so i get to uh go out and spend four or five months out at sea we also get to collect all this data and then you know we all get to share in the exposure and all that sort of stuff so more details as that as those ideas sort of pick up but that's for the winter of 2024 2025 But I'm hoping, uh, if all goes well, to be able to fund and then have help funding kind of another expedition and get out there and do some more sailing on Sparrow. And yeah, really the big stumbling point has always been the sails, uh, at least for the last few years. And it's just one where you have to face facts every once in a while and be like, dude, I can't just buy some old used sails and head out there and and try and deal with the weather that, that you might encounter. I've gotten lucky before and I don't want to rely on luck. I want some I want some heavy duty, rock solid, not as heavy duty as the ones I first had that Sven made me, but you know, something comparable to that quality-wise and then just a little bit lighter material so it's easier to work with, I guess. Uh, you know, the plan isn't to go to the Southern Ocean proper, but yeah, maybe get pretty close. So, we'll have to sort of see uh, other than that, I don't know. There's not a whole lot. Tomorrow, I am hoping to... Okay, so essentially, I've got six... It's about 16 hours if I want to go from here where I am at this lovely Big Walker Motel in Virginia. Uh, 
If I want to go to Bellhaven, which I do, to go and see Sparrow, because I want to at least open it up. It's been a winter. I want to see if there's water that got in or anything like that and make sure we don't have mold just everywhere. So it's about five hours to get to there. Then possibly a flyby if I have time, depending on how long it takes at Sparrow. I'd like to go to Jacksonville and visit Pax and Amy, maybe do a little short pod. They've had a bit of an adventure there. And then uh, on to Fort Pierce the very next day for uh, safety briefing, rig check, going over all the safety equipment, passage planning, all that sort of stuff, so that, boom, on Friday we are ready to depart. And it was kind of funny because uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark, he had mentioned, and, it, you know, us old sailors, dude, we're, we're a superstitious crew. And it's understandable. It's I've, I'm superstitious. I have my things. You know, every time I take on a passage, uh, I leave. Once I once I get Sparrow settled and we're actually sailing and the engine goes off, the first, very first thing, I like to spread a little bit of Buzz's ashes. I like to do a toast, pour a little shot of whatever alcohol I can over Sparrow through the scupper into the ocean, thereby appeasing Sparrow and Neptune, and then also taking a shot for me. Um, I guess the only other tradition I really have is that about an hour before I leave on any voyage, just once, I always take a Dramamine, just in case. You never know. I don't suffer from seasickness, but maybe that's why. And it seems to last the whole voyage. (laughs) I used to be a real seasick kid. It was pretty bad, but... Other than that, okay, I've got some work to do. I got a few emails to sort out, but um, yeah, other than that, thank you all so much for listening. And yeah, we're definitely, obviously, tradition states that I get on Sparrow, don't do a single thing except for set up this microphone and do a podcast about how it feels to get back on board. So look forward to that. I'll probably end up putting that one out tomorrow or the next day. Uh, you know, the, the schedule is the schedule. We're going to have a lot of podcasts coming up here because uh, I still need to get Steph on board, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. We, we, should, we should be able to make some pretty cool content for YouTube and everything else as well. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, other than that, if you are fortunate enough to get out there on the water, sail safe, sail fast, and talk to you soon.